Jefferson Graham here. I've got Jason Butler from Springdale, Utah. This is the companion podcast to our photo walk from Zion Canyon. Jason is the co-owner of a gallery in Springdale, the Zion Gallery. He's a great, amazing photographer. I thought this would be like really great opportunity to learn more about Jason. And so Jason, um, thanks for being here. Tell everybody about the gallery and your photography. So we've had the gallery here in Springdale for about 12 years. So like I said, in addition to my work, we have painters, we have potters, we have sculptors, we have quite a bit of jewelry too. We have jewelry makers in the area. So it's a pretty broad range. But as far as photography goes, we're talking about Angel's Landing, the Narrows, the so, Zion Classics. Yeah, when it comes for my work, and I, I find that, you know, I mean, it's what people come here for. They come here for images of the Southwest. I photographed all over the world. I lived in Australia for a year. I photographed in Hawaii and Ireland. But when people come here, they want images of the Southwest. And so that's primarily what I show on the wall, of course. And uh, what, what's your bestseller? What do you what, what what picture or what picture are you best known for? You know, that's a tough one. I you know, I think really images in the narrows. Um, when people come to Zion, what makes I think Zion different and unique, it, there's lots of places you can look into a canyon. The, the Grand Canyon is a good example. People go there and you stand back and you take the canyon in. There aren't a lot of people that hike down into the Grand Canyon or do the rim to rim hike. Most people observe it from a distance. And even here at Zion, that's available to you. But what makes Zion special is getting in the middle of a canyon. And that means getting in the narrows. And when you're in the narrows, it's an intimate experience. And that's different from what you can get at just about any other place on the planet. And so I really try to highlight that in my work. And I think images of the narrows are the most popular uh, of my work, but I also have a lot of night images that are very popular that show the Milky Way over Zion Canyon. So those are pretty popular as well. Okay, well, I wanna talk about the night shots, but first the narrows. So um, the narrows for people who haven't been there is a hike that's in the water. And right. the further you go, the higher the water can go. It can go as high as your neck. Um, some people don't go that far. Jason does. Okay. <laughs> That's one of the perks of living there is he, he knows the right time to go. Um, I went in an hour and I believe that what Jason told me once was that you need to go at least three hours yeah. to really see the good stuff. Right. That's right. It's not a difficult hike. Uh, you know, something like Angel's Landing can be very strenuous because there's a lot of elevation change. Uh, whereas in the Narrows, it's fairly level because you're on a riverbed. So th there's not a lot of elevation change. However, the hike is kind of like, I, I describe it as walking on bowling balls underwater. So having having a, a, a staff or a third leg that you can lean on really helps in that situation. Um, but it is, like I said, it's a unique experience. You get in there two or three hours and, and if you were with someone, you could stand next to each other and you could put your hands on each wall and it's a half a mile up. And so it's a, it's a really unique experience to be that deep in the canyon. It's, it's intimate, you're interacting with it and that's unique. Well, why don't you tell everybody how you drag your gear in a hike that's full of water, what you yeah. shoot on, walk me through the you whole know, process. When, when I started, and I started coming here back in the mid-90s, 
Um, you know, I was worried about taking camera gear in the Narrows, but I've really gotten over that. And I, I don't even use a waterproof bag. I do use a special backpack that sits a little bit higher on my back so that if I'm, if I'm in even waist level water, I don't have to worry about my gear. Um, otherwise, I'm able to unpack and set up a tripod and mount the camera and shoot without ever getting anything wet. Um, so it's really not a problem. The biggest challenge to taking images in the Narrows is taking images without people. Uh, the Narrows is a very popular hike and often there'll be a thousand people a day that get into the canyon. And so making images that, that sort of portray the, the beauty of it without the crowds can be a big challenge. Uh, and how do, how do you do that? Well, there's a couple of ways. One is to take lots of exposures and sort of average people out, but I don't really like to do that. It's difficult and it tends to mess up with the flow of the water. Another trick I use is a lot of times I'll go in with my, my partner, the gallery co-owner, Tina, and, and an assistant, and I'll station them at opposite ends. You know, to, to take a photograph, I only need, you know, maybe a half a second, right? So it may take me five minutes, 10 minutes to get set up, but once I'm ready to shoot, I don't need very much time. And so I'll have them with candy uh, station just outside the frame. And they'll just ask people, can you wait a minute? Can you wait 30 seconds? And here's a piece of candy. Thank you for waiting. And sometimes I'm able to use that method and, and get a good shot. I understand candy is popular in Utah, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, what gear do you use? So, you know, it, it, I use a wide range of gear and I've shot with just about everything. For a lot of my daytime work, I'm still shooting film. I'm shooting a, a six by nine piece of film. So that's a piece of film that's say about that big or six by 12, also a panoramic format that's about that big. Um, so it's a large piece of film, but it's still roll film, what you call medium format film. Um, and, uh, and then I shoot digitally as well. For digital work, I use newer Nikon cameras, but for a lot of my work, I use older lenses, lenses from the 60s and 70s, most of which, which are designed for architectural work. Okay, and um, let's talk about your night shot and the car. The, the, uh, the light painting that you did with right. the car, which is a great story. Tell everybody right. about that. So the name of that image is Zion Trailblazer. And it's an image that, you know, a lot of photographers have the process of, of having an image pre-visualized in your head. You know what you want to see in the frame. And then it's a matter of going out and creating that and finding the conditions that meet that so that you can create that image. And this was one where I wanted to track a car going up the switchbacks and then going into the tunnel that goes through what's called Bridge Mountain here at Zion. And that's how you transition from the canyon floor up to the east side of the park. Um, and it's a big elevation change. It's a beautiful drive. I mean, it's, it's, it's not like the going to the Sun Road at Glacier, but it's sort of our equivalent here. Um, and I wanted a shot at night that showed that, that car going up those switchbacks. And I went out a few times. Uh, there's a great place that overlooks the switchbacks, and it's a wonderful hike here called Canyon Overlook. It's a pretty easy hike. You go up a steep set of stairs, and it's about a 20-minute walk out to the rim where you can see over the canyon, and you can see the switchbacks driving up into the, into the, um, into the tunnel. Well, I had gone up there a few times and just randomly tried to catch cars going up and down, and it never really worked out. And in my mind, I thought, well, I could take a lot of photos of cars going up and down and, and then I could stitch them together in the computer. And I didn't like that either. And it really didn't make the stars look very good either. So we, we made a plan and I went with my assistant up to the, the rim. And then my partner parked her car right at the tunnel entrance. 
And we had to use walkie talkies because our cell phones don't work in there. And we told uh, Tina, my partner, to take off. And I opened the shutter and it took her 14 minutes to drive from the tunnel entrance down to the bridge over the Virgin River and then back to the tunnel again. She had to make the round trip because otherwise, if you look at the image, you'll see I would get headlights going one way and then taillights going the other and that wouldn't work out. So she made the full round trip. And then once she went back into the tunnel, I opened the aperture wide open for just 20 more seconds. And what that did is it put little dots at the end of the star trails that were created as the stars track across the sky over that 14 minutes. And so you get this great image of a car tracking up the switchbacks and the stars moving across the sky. I used the light from the moon, which is over my left shoulder to light most of the canyon. And so when did you know you got it? You know, did you, we did about to... five takes uh, and all of them between about 1 a.m. and 2.30 a.m. And we did about five tries for that. And uh, and one of them just turned out perfectly. Uh, there were a couple where some other cars wandered in uh, or the exposure just wasn't quite right. And it is kind of hit or miss when you're doing an exposure like that. It's not something you can meter. You just kind of have to guess at it. Okay. In this era where everybody has a phone in a camera in their pocket, right? And That's they right. walk into your gallery and they look at the pictures, they say, well, I could do that. But you're That's still selling pictures. So That's right. explain that. Well, you know, first off, I, I'm welcome to let them try. I mean, if someone can do that, that's fabulous. Um, you know, we all have access to cameras now. We all have access to incredible cameras. The cameras on our phones now are really amazing. Um, but when it comes to making something like a 60 or 70 or even an 80 inch print, that's just not something you can do with a cell phone. Uh, and that takes something more. And so if somebody wants a really large print, they're just not going to be able to pull that off. There's a lot of technical know-how that goes into creating a really large photographic print. And again, that's just not something people can do with a cell phone. But the thing is, they're coming into your gallery and they're still buying prints, even in that's an right. age where everybody has a camera in their pocket and everybody thinks they're a photographer. That's right. And, and, and some of that is because a large photographic print that you can put on your wall is a, it's something different that, you know, not everyone can produce. And so having that, it, it, it shows, you know, your commitment to that place or your attachment to that place. You know, in my experience, people buy photographic prints for two reasons. Uh, the first is because they have a deep connection to the image itself, to what the image represents. So people who love the Grand Canyon are going to be attracted to buying images of the Grand Canyon. Um, or I have families that come here and they take their family into the Narrows. Um, and I had a family in Houston, for example, that spent the day in the Narrows and they had uh, snapshots of their children climbing on a rock in the Narrows. And it happens to be a rock that's featured in one of my images. And so they got that image in a really large size, over 50 inches, and they put it over their fireplace. And then on their mantle, they put little snapshots of their children climbing on that very rock because it was a way to say, as a family, we were here together. So even though they had taken pictures with their cell phone, they, they wanted a large image, something that was artistic that represented their love for, for the canyon. And the second reason people buy prints is because uh, of an aesthetic reason, because it matches their furniture or you know the decorative colors in their home. Um, I have a big image of the firefall at Yosemite, and I have a guy that bought that image at 80 inches because the primary colors uh, in, in his house were black and orange. And so the, the color motif fit perfectly with his design. And really, I find that those are the only two reasons people buy photographs. How do you yeah. as a photographer keep inspired 
you live in an area, you photograph it, you photograph it, you photograph it. Um, How do you get back there to do, let's do the narrows one more time. You're right behind me is the Manhattan Beach Pier. I've been photographing it for too many years and it's the jewel of the town and it's what everybody wants to see, but I'm just dying to photograph something else, you know? Yeah, and and I guess that's that's kind of why you get away, right? I mean, that's why you're going. You do photo walks all over the place. Right. I mean, I, I heard you tell me you're going to Santa Fe for a couple of weeks next. Right. So, yeah. so you've got those examples to get away. I'm really blessed here. I mean, I do have Zion in my backyard, and it's an incredible location. But in addition to that, and you know this, there is awesome within a five hour drive in any direction. You know, I've got the Grand Canyon that's less than a hundred miles away. I've got Bryce Canyon, which is ninety miles away. I love Death Valley, just on the other side of Las Vegas that's only about three hours away so just about anywhere I go it's incredible so I have a lot to choose from and really more than I think I could I could ever do in my lifetime okay but what about what about um Angel's Landing and and the Narrows have you done it have you have you have you gotten everything you need to get or you still work it in no, and I, like I said, I don't think I'll ever run out. But you make a good point, though, and into what I said earlier, people only buy photographs for those two reasons. And, you know, the outcome of that is that as a, as a nature or landscape photographer, you could go out, you could spend two days and hike to an amazing location with an incredible mountain scene and make an incredible photograph. And people will look at it and they'll tell you how beautiful it is, but they're not going to buy it. They're not going to buy it because they don't have a connection to it. So I am somewhat limited in work that I feel like I can sell, right? And a lot of a lot of photographers really put a lot of emphasis on their artistic work. And I think that's important. And I do that in my own personal work as well. But when you're thinking of putting work in a gallery, when you're thinking of, of selling your work, you know, as a, as a means to making a living, you really have to think differently about your photography. You have to think about it in terms of will people buy it? And, and that's a commercial decision more than an artistic decision. All right, let, let's tell everybody about Springdale. It's an interesting little, little town with yeah, what, really under, a thousand, under, under a thousand people live there. Yeah, right? There's only about 650 of us that live here year round. And we see about 5 million people a year. Zion is the third or fourth most visited park in the country. Uh, so we are just inundated by people almost year round. We have about a six week period between New Year's Day and Valentine's Day that we have some time off, but that's about it. Otherwise, we're pretty busy here. So right now it's the week before Halloween ish, yep. right? So yep. the third week of, of October. It should be quiet in Springdale, is Not it? Not at all. Not at all. For one thing, we're in the middle of our fall color here at Zion and fall color here is really incredible. One thing that's great about living here at Zion is we have this fall season that's about eight weeks long. Uh, It starts at the higher elevations, our aspen trees up around 8,000 feet, they start to turn really by the second week in September, uh, first or second of September, they start right away. And then the color just slowly works its way down to the bottom of the canyon. So right now, the color is just starting to show up on the east side of the park in the washes. We've got lots of maple trees up there and they turn a beautiful red. And so they're in color right now. And then we won't see peak color down here in the bottom of the canyon until the first week of November or even the week after that. Okay, so will it slow down after Thanksgiving? 
We'll be booked all through the week of Thanksgiving. In fact, Thanksgiving itself, we're totally booked. There's no room anywhere in town. We'll see crowds continuing through Christmas and then the week between Christmas and New Year. We'll see a big crowd then as well. But then after New Year's, things just drop off completely. And like I said, we're dead pretty much until Valentine's Day. We start to see a crowd. And then by the first week of March, somebody's on spring break between the first week of March and the middle of April. Between Arizona, Nevada, Utah, somebody's on spring break and so we get crowds then and it really doesn't really slow down oh it sounds good for you right yes and no i mean it's not strictly a numbers game you know it's not always about how many people come when you run an art gallery it's not always about how many people come in your gallery it's who those people are and are they people who are interested in buying art for their trip you know not everybody wants a mug made in china with a logo slapped on it or a t-shirt or maybe they want something more than that and that's what we're here for. And there are about four galleries here in Springdale, and we serve that purpose. Okay, tell everybody about yourself. So where did you, where, where are you born and bred? So I was raised in Texas, um, in, uh, in Dallas, Fort Worth, and in East Texas, around Texarkana. Um, and uh, I worked in the, in the television business, much like yourself, for many years. Uh, and I had a big conference that I had to attend in Las Vegas most years. And it was 10 days on the strip, and you know what that's like. So back I've in never, the I've never, I've never done 10 days on the strip. Oh, good for you. Yeah. Really? You're, you're blessed. I've done like um, three or four at the most. Right. So back in the mid nineties, I, I was in Vegas and I had my car with me and I thought, well, I'll drive up here and check out these national parks. And I just fell in love with this place. And so from then on, any time that I was scheduled to be in Vegas, I would take some time off after that to come up here and just decompress. And then in 2008, when the economy went to hell, I moved to Australia for a year. And when I came back to the States, I just decided I wanted to be here full time. And were you, when you worked in television, were you a photographer? No, I did go to film school in the 80s uh, at the University of Texas and then the University of North Texas. Um, but, you know, I, most, most of my work was as a producer and production manager. Um, so that's, that was my work it was all behind the scenes, but, uh, no, the, the photographers and camera operators typically worked for me. So when did you pick up the camera and start shooting Zion? Well, you know, I, I, like I said, I went to film school and I was always interested in being a visual communicator. And so still photography has always been something that I've been passionate about really since the mid eighties. Um, and I, it's just something that I've carried with me. And, and it's at a certain point, you decide I'm going to live in, in Zion, and I'm going to make a living as a photographer. That's right. That's bold, right? It, it is bold and a little bit scary. You know, I, I think, um, you know, uh, selling your photography, like I said earlier, selling your photography and making a living off of it is, is a completely different decision from the artistic choices you make as a photographer. You really have to think about it a lot differently. And and there are drawbacks as well. I mean, I'll be honest with you, since owning an art gallery, the time that I've spent out photographing has gone down drastically because there are so many other commitments you have as a business co-owner um, that require your time and attention. So how do you go? I think you mentioned you were on a shoot yesterday. There were fall That's colors right. and you wanted to run out. And, so what do right. you do? I'm, I'm blessed because, like I said, I am a co-owner in the gallery. My partner, Tina, um, you know, we often say that that her expertise, her art is the art of the spreadsheet. Uh, she runs so much of the business operations here, and there's no way that we would exist without her. So she takes a big load off on my shoulders. And then we do have two employees that work for us, and typically they work early in the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So that gives me an opportunity to get out and do some shooting. And she knows that 
you got to replenish what's on the wall. So it's okay, right? Yeah, it would just get stale after a while or, you know, just you've, you've seen them enough. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to put new work up every year. But like I said, it's, it's a challenge. It's a lot more challenging than it, when it, than it was before I was involved in the art gallery business because it really takes a lot more of your time. When I was growing up and I was shooting film, I would get a, a 36 roll of, of film, right? And they always said that if three shots were good, you'd done a really good job, right? Yeah. So, but I don't didn't own a gallery, okay? <laughs> so how many pictures do you have to take till you get something that's so good, it can go up on the wall? You know, the, the kind of photography I do is a lot slower and it's a lot more contemplative. Some of that because I still shoot film uh, and because I started shooting film, um, I, I shoot a lot slower and a lot of my images are pre-visualized, much like the image we talked about earlier of the car going up the switchback. So it's, it's something that I, I see a composition or I see an image in my head and I may go back to it three, four, five times before I get an image that I'm happy with. And that might take a matter of days or weeks or even years. You know, we talked about the night photography earlier, and there's really only a limited number of nights per year that you can catch the Milky Way over the canyon. And it has to be a night when there's no moon and it has to be a night that's not cloudy. And so you may only get, you know, four to six opportunities a year to get a shot like that. And if you miss it this year, then you have to wait till next year. And you may do that over and over again. Yeah, we had a big moon here in California. Did you have the same moon yesterday? Oh, it's really bright. Okay. And I love it when we have a full moon here. It's a good time to go out at night. And, and we even hike under the full moon. It's so wonderful. They do full moon hikes at Bryce um, because the moon is just so bright and vibrant here. So it's really amazing. But when that moon's in the sky, you're just not going to see the stars. So in January, when you get your six-week uh, lag time, what do you do? Well, it depends. Um, you know, with, with COVID, we were kind of locked down here last year. So, you know, we look for chances to get away. Often, you know, we'll try to go to Hawaii or the Southern Hemisphere because it's kind of cold and wet everywhere else in January. Yeah, I, I've been there. We had a snowball fight. The first time I, I came to Zion in December, I was, I was shocked. That's right. It's beautiful in the snow. We only get maybe three or four good snowfalls here in Zion Canyon, and they melt within a day or two because we're at the bottom of the canyon. But it's really incredibly beautiful. Now, on the other hand, the top of the canyon gets buried, uh, and they close the roads off up there, and it's snowmobile access only. Now, for somebody who hasn't been to Zion and is going to be there with the camera, they're going to go to Narrows and Angels Landing. Absolutely. Th those are the places. But is that the best photo? You think? No, and honestly, I my favorite view of the canyon is Observation Point. I think it's it's really a superior view to Angel's Landing. Angel's Landing gets a lot of hype. Everybody puts it on their Instagram or their Facebook, and that's great. But Observation Point's a much better view. Unfortunately, the main uh, avenue, the main hiking trail up to Observation Point has been closed now because of a big landslide that occurred back in August of 2019. Um, really amazing landslide. You can look it up on YouTube and see it happen. Um, but there is another way to get out to Observation Point, and that's called the East Mesa Trail. And that involves driving out the east side of the park uh, and then parking at a trailhead that's out there. And then it's just a, about a three-mile walk out to the rim. But the view at Observation Point is really incredible. Now, I found when I was there, there's a, a shot from the bridge where you can no longer stand on the bridge, right? Yeah, they don't really like people to stand on the bridge just because there's so much traffic now. It is sort of the classic Zion shot with the Virgin River in the foreground and the Watchmen in the background. It's really nice at sunset, uh, especially if there are clouds in the sky that can get lit up. Um, 
There are lots of other vantage points that work for that shot, though. It's easy just to walk around the bridge and go down closer to the river uh, and stand on the riverbank and get a similar shot. You can, you can get closer and have more of the river in the foreground. So there are other opportunities on what, what's called the Parus Trail. There are also a couple of footbridges over the river that make beautiful uh, images as well, so you don't have to stand on the road bridge. Yeah, that's what I did. I went on the footbridge that was uh, packed with photographers. Yeah, of course it was because they're not on the road bridge anymore. Right. For people who haven't come to Springdale, any tips on uh, places to stay, places to eat, things to do when you're not in the, in the park? You know, we're blessed here in Springdale. We're, we're a town of only 660 people, but we have amazing restaurants. Uh, because we're such a tourist destination, there's about 10 incredible restaurants here in such a small town. Um, there's a number of choices for hotels. One of the great things about, about Springdale in particular is it's still very local. Uh, even our, our big chain hotels are owned and operated by, by Utah companies and Utah families. Um, and so because of that, everyone here sort of has a, a vested interest in our community. Uh, and so it's different than a lot of other tourist destinations. You know, you won't see a lot of, of chain restaurants here. Everything is sort of run and operated locally. So it's unique. And we're running out of that in America, but we still have it here in Springdale. Okay. Well, I like Oscars and Bitten Spur. Those are my two favorites. Those are great choices. I always recommend Oscars for breakfast and lunch. It's a really good choice. Super casual. They have a good dinner too, but for dinner, I really recommend the Bitten Spur and they're only open for dinner. Uh, and Bitten Spur also has a full bar if that matters to people. So uh, that's available. So yeah, lots of other good choices here as well. All right. I'm going to let you get back to gallery land. Let's tell everybody about how to uh, see all of your photos. So Argo Shots. That's that right. It? Argo Shots. You can look me up on, uh, that's A-R-G-O-S-H-O-T-S. -S, and you can look me up on Instagram or anywhere else under that name. Uh, and also Design Gallery. That's D-E-Z-I-O-N, Design Gallery. Uh, and that'll get you to the gallery and you can see all the artists that we represent as well. Alrighty, I hope everybody goes there. I'm photowalkstv.com or jeffersongram.net. Jason Butler from Springdale, Utah. Thank you so much. It was great seeing you again. Thanks, Jeff. I enjoyed it.